Welcome to episode 165 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, (laughs) if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. 
unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 165 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. And I am not just here with Jen Stevens. We have a very, very special guest today about a topic that we get so many questions from listeners about. It's about something that might be affecting your health, 
your mood, your sleep, your energy, your stress, your digestion, so many things. We are going to dive in deep and talk about how you can actually take charge of all of this. I'm talking about light, specifically blue light. And I am here with none other than Andy Mant, the founder of Blue Blocks, which makes absolutely incredible blue light blocking glasses that we've talked about before on the podcast. But we're really excited today to dive in deep into the science of it all and why these blue light blocking glasses can be really, really radical and life-changing for so many people. So Andy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for such a beautiful introduction, Melanie. You're just really doing amazing things with your company and helping us, helping our listeners so much. So really, really excited to have you. For listeners, I actually did have Andy on the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast as well. So I'll put a link to that. So to start things off, I mean, there's so many directions we could go with this, but just to start things off, would you like to tell listeners about your own personal story that brought you to this whole world of blue light blocking? Oh, oh, and actually, before you do that, listeners, Andy is an intermittent faster himself. So he is one of us. <laughs> just putting that out there. <laughs> All the best biohackers are. <laughs> we were talking about that before we started. You know, every, everybody who's trying to optimize everything from sleep to digestion to our weight, our health, you know, if once you're looking for, for all the answers, you find intermittent fasting and you find blue light blocking. So true. And it, can you even call yourself a biohacker if you don't intermittent fast? That's the question, isn't it? I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. It's probably, to be fair, it was probably one of the first ever biohacks, you know, that people did, even in ancestral times, that they didn't even know they were doing it, yet it was a biohack. You know, they were changing their biology and, you know, the internal state to reflect a more positive internal state, both health and, and mentally. So, you know, it's probably, there you go, the first biohack is, is intermittent fasting. I never thought about it that way. That's so true. It is. It's hacking your body's system to function, you know, in a different state to optimally meet your environment at that time. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, a little bit about my journey. I started off in nutrition because about eight years ago, I'd gone through my 20s in, in pretty terrible nick, to be fair. You know, I was quite overweight and I was overweight because of bad lifestyle choices. I, I knew this, you know, I partied a lot. I ate terrible food. I stopped playing sport in my early 20s because of a soccer injury. So I really didn't have the motivation to exercise or eat healthy. And, and I was quite anxious, depressed and, and overweight. And I moved to Australia from the UK, um, as the more astute listener will hear from my accent, around about 2011, around about March. So, you know, good, good nine years ago. And that was at the peak of, of my poor health. So I decided to try and lose some weight. Um, I exercised more and I tried to eat less with no sort of regard to any kind of macronutrient profiling or anything like that, or any kind of good quality food. I just sort of cut the calories, exercise more, the typical government recommendations. And it won't come of any surprise to, to your listeners and yourselves that that really didn't work. It just made me more miserable, hungry, and yeah, didn't really lose much weight or, or if any at all. And if I did lose it, I would put it back on pretty quickly when I went back to eating my, my old diet. What happened was about a year of doing this, so around about 2012, I was just sick of being sick, basically. And so I thought, you know what, I, I think I'm a fairly 
you know, clever guy. I can go and read things and kind of make my own decisions on things. And I'd done that in my, my workplace for, for many years. So I thought to myself, what, why am I listening to others sort of opinions on health and well-being? You know, and by others, I mean, you know, sort of government bodies and large organizations that really have no idea about this kind of thing. And why can't I just go and research it myself and find something that fits and, and works for me? So I, I did a lot of research and I stumbled across a ketogenic diet. Um, I went online and joined a lot of Facebook groups and read it at the time and, and found a lot of cool people there that I'm still very close close with now. Luis Villasenor, Rob Wolf, Maria Craig Emmerich, people like that, Sim Land, all people that really started off educating us all many years ago on, on ketogenic diets. I, I started that diet. I lost a lot of weight. I started to feel better, combined it with intermittent fasting, felt amazing. Honestly, felt like, you know, keto on its own was great, but put it put in some intermittent fasting. And I felt like that was the, the rocket fuel to really sort of drive my aesthetic goals. I started to train more and I got in good shape in a few years. I then wrote a small little book on ketogenic dieting, which just went to Amazon Kindle sort of edition. It was, I, I didn't put it out to print, which was how to beat the obesogenic environment with utilizing ketogenic diets. Um, that was my first foray into trying to help others. But what I, what I found was about four or five years ago, maybe about four years ago now, four and a half, I thought to myself, right, I've optimized my nutrition. I've optimized my exercise. But one thing that's always been an issue for me ever since I was very young, so about 14, when I probably starting to go through puberty, my sleep just nosedived and I could never sleep through the night. I would lie in for long hours in the mornings um, and go to bed late. And, and you know, I, I generally didn't feel, you know, 100%. I felt better than I was with these dieting protocols um, and fasting. But I, I felt there was a missing piece and I thought it might have been sleep. So I started to research and I found that there was two different pathways to sleep. One was something called sleep pressure, which led to the need to fall asleep. So you just we burn energy, ATP, adenosine triphosphate, a byproduct is adenosine. It builds up in the brain to a point where at the end of the day, it gets so much that you need to sleep to clear that adenosine out of your brain. But the second way to sleep was a circadian theory of, of sleep. And that was that we had these circadian rhythms, which were in essence clock systems within our body that were entrained by light during the day and then transform into a different state after sunset when there's darkness by sending and blocking specific light signals from this clock system. So I thought to myself, right, there's definitely something in this. I'm going to buy myself a pair of these blue light glasses from Amazon. Um, they were these like amber lenses. I popped them on and my sleep improved a bit from wearing them. And I thought, wow, these, there's definitely something here. And I started wearing these glasses. My wife thought I was crazy, but she was seeing the results, which was cool. But after a couple of weeks wearing these glasses, I kind of felt again that I wasn't optimizing my sleep. I felt like I'd improved it, but I wasn't optimizing it. So it was very clear from the literature, many studies, that there was a distinct zone of light that we should block after sunset in order to tell our brain that it's nighttime, to reduce cortisol levels, and to increase something called melatonin, which is a sleep hormone and an antioxidant. And that range of light was 100% of the blue light and almost all of the green light. Okay, Now, these are typical frequencies that are found in your TV, your digital backlit devices, your house lights, your fridge, street lamps, things like that. 
So I thought to myself, it was a little bit of a eureka moment, but I needed to prove it. I was like, well, as if these glasses I'm wearing don't block 100% in this specific range. So I, I bought that pair of glasses plus a few others that I'd acquired to an optics lab. I knew some people in, in one in Australia. And I said, can you just tell me what frequencies of light these block? Lo and behold, not one of them blocked 100% in the zone that you should block to get better sleep. So I said to them, can you please create a lens that does block in that frequency 100%? And they were like, yeah, it's not a problem. They did. I wore them, um, experimented for a while. I felt like my sleep was off the charts. It was literally you know, really good deep sleep. I was dreaming more. I was waking up feeling refreshed. I wasn't waking up in the night. So I had a few of these samples made up and I sent them to people that were already wearing these glasses and talking about blue light. I sent them the science and I just said, look, can you just try these and just let me know how they compare to your current setup with blue light blocking glasses? And everyone came back to me after about a month of trying them saying like, oh my goodness, you have got something here. This is next level in terms of how it's improving our sleep. And these were all sort of time served biohackers, people that understood this kind of technology, but we gave them all the academic studies. And that was how we, we founded Blue Blocks. And, you know, we've just continued since launching that signature product, which was the, the Sleep Plus glasses to help people sleep. Other alternatives for during the day and sleep masks. Um, and we've got red and yellow light bulbs that are going to be released next week as well to optimize our light environment to stabilize not only our hormones, but to decrease cortisol levels when they shouldn't be as high, induce sleep and more melatonin production, which is vital for pretty much all processes. You know, melatonin is pretty much you know, the same in terms of the positive effect vitamin D has on our health, you know, all cause mortality goes down. And better sleep means better immunity. It means more energy and, you know, allows us to function in this optimal state of, you know, hormonal balance. Yeah, that is so incredible. I was actually thinking how I think there's only been two things in my life to date where I tried something and literally, well, mostly like pretty much never stopped doing it intentionally and also never once questioned the benefits from it. And that is intermittent fasting. And then the first time like you that I started using blue light blocking glasses and same as you, Andy, I originally bought, you know, a pair off of Amazon and saw a big change. But since then I have not every single night I now I wear only blue blocks <laughs> and you have a lot of different varieties and we can we can talk about that as well but the change is just so profound and I think it's something you you don't realize until you you start addressing it so I'm curious you're talking about how blue light is so common in electronics and artificial light that we are exposed to today how does it compare the amount of blue light exposure to like today versus before before all of this so, so like before electronics before the light bulb. I don't know how much blue light is in like a normal light bulb. How bad is this basically today? And I think the new light bulbs are even worse, aren't they? The ones that we had to shift over from incandescent a few years ago, probably it was a lot of years ago now and I'm, they're running together, but the light bulbs just just had a big change. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's ex exactly it. There's, there's three stages in all of this. Okay. There's the ancestral side of things. The second side of things is the advent of the light bulb through Edison. And then Around about the 90s, there's the shift to LED from incandescent. So I'll, I'll talk you through each of those stages. I think it's important to understand those in order to get why there is such a big problem right now with, with this you know, advent of new lighting technology. 
in ancestral times. So we, I, I guess what we have evolved under is this, from an ancestral point of view, you know, we lived outside, we probably slept outside, we slept in caves, you know, there was no real sort of you know, indoor dwelling that that happened. Today, the average American spends 87% of their time indoors, just to put that into perspective. And that was probably reversed back in the, the sort of paleo times when we were evolving. But we developed something when we started living outside. And all animals on earth, or, or say 99% of animals and 99% of plants, all developed the same thing. And this was this circadian rhythm. So it comes from a Latin word, circa, meaning about and dian a day. And what it is, is it's a central clock mechanism that's found in the brain that's entrained by light and dark cycles. And it tells the time to the body. And by that, I mean, it tells the body when to release certain hormones and neurotransmitters and when to suppress them. So the way our ancestors would have lived was they would have risen with the rising sun. And at that time of the day, that light passing through their eyes would have started their clock system ticking and it would have increased something called cortisol in the morning. Um, you can see it in like a cortisol awakening response in us today where cortisol levels will jack up in the morning, which is a really good thing because it makes us feel alert and awake and it gets us springing out of bed in the morning and it keeps us active during the day. You also see neurotransmitters such as dopamine and serotonin be triggered, dopamine in the brain, in that reward system, and serotonin in the gut, which is a super important neurotransmitter for making melatonin in the absence of blue light later on in the day. Our ancestors then would have gone about their day outside, you know, hunting, gathering, whatever it is they would have done. And then as the sun set, the signal from the red, orange, yellow lights and the descending, rapidly descending blue frequencies from the sun at that time sent another message to our circadian rhythm to say nighttime is approaching. We need to lower cortisol levels to relax and we need to start producing something called melatonin to induce sleep and help us recover because it's a powerful antioxidant. And then we would have gone to, to sleep in the absence of blue and green light, some people say, what about the moon and the stars? But because of the low lux level of those celestial bodies, they actually don't affect circadian rhythms. They only affect monthly rhythms um, and monthly cycles within certain people in the population. For instance, women with menstrual cycles are, are quite closely tied to, to lunar cycles. So that was a typical circadian day. And we evolved under that for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years until around about the sort of 1800s when we invented the light bulb. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb and it was an incandescent setup. So incandescent light bulbs are very high in red light, orange light, yellow light, um, and very, very low in blue light and green light. So these lights kind of really didn't do much in terms of disruption of circadian rhythms because they were very low in the blue range. And they remained pretty constant for about 100 years until about the sort of late 80s, early 90s. There was a big push to save money for people and to save energy. You know, there's a lot of talk around about that time about the impending doom that the world is facing from global warming. People wanted to have more energy efficiency in their homes as a result, but they also wanted to save money, not replacing these incandescent bulbs every couple of weeks. So lo and behold, the LED light was invented. And the way they created this light was they stripped a lot of the energy sapping red light and orange light out of the bulb and replaced it with a more energy efficient blue light. 
And little did they know that blue light is the main trigger for circadian rhythms. I mean, what color is the sky typically? I mean, you know, it's probably maybe cloudy and gray sometimes, but typically when you look at the sky, it's a blue color because the sun is giving out a lot of blue light and we want that blue light during the day to feel alert and awake and to keep our circadian rhythms entrained. But what the sun has in it is it has this balanced frequency of, of red light. It has invisible frequencies of light that mitigate any of the damage caused by the blue light. Our digital devices and, and LED lights don't have that. They have none of the restorative light and just all of the damaging blue light put in them. So as of the 90s, we you know, basically took out these incandescent light bulbs that really weren't doing much to disrupt circadian rhythms. And then we replaced them with these high, high luminosity, high blue frequency LED lights. And that wasn't the end of the problem. The end, you know, the end is, is still not even in sight. What we did was we had a technological revolution around about the 90s as well. We started to see big companies like Apple slowly develop products like high definition laptop monitors, PC monitors. We saw the advent of the smartphones, you know, we saw the Apple iPhone start to come out. I mean, I was 14 when I got my first phone, kids are getting them at such a young age now. We saw things like higher spec televisions, you know, gone were the big back boxes of televisions that were, you know, quite grainy in color to sharp high definition TVs over the next sort of 20 years from the 90s onwards. Gaming consoles started to become more colorful and you know brighter because of the LED light. So what we had in essence done was that we had replaced the sun, which is what we evolved under, with hundreds of little artificial suns within our everyday environment that were sending the incorrect messages to our brain, not just during the day, but during the evening as well. So what happened was because the copious amounts of blue light we were exposed to during the day without any of the balanced light from the sun was that we saw cortisol levels become consistently high in people. We saw things like the increase in anxiety, depression, seasonal affective disorder, not just in adults, but in young adults and children because of the amount of time they were spending under these artificial light sources. We see massive issues now with you know, people that come home after sunset, switch on lights, digital devices, watch TV without any light management protection in place or good light hygiene. And then they're struggling to get to sleep. They're waking up in the morning feeling really groggy because they're not getting that cortisol spike in the morning anymore because it's been completely smashed by all the blue light for many years. And they just have, you know, completely drain their adrenals and can't produce it as well as, as, as someone with a healthy circadian rhythm. The cycle of cortisol can also reverse, which means that in the mornings, they feel groggy and tired and can't get out of bed. But when they get home from work and switch on the TV and get that you know, secondary burst of blue light, they become more active and, you know, they struggle then to get to sleep later on in the in the evening. So they, you know, go to bed later, they get up later or they struggle to get up in the morning. And then we develop this thing called social jet lag, which, you know, makes us feel, you know, like zombies during the day. We feel better after sunset. Whereas, you know, when you look at it from an ancestral point of view, it, it needs to be the opposite. We need to feel alert and awake during the day and we need to be unwinding when it's when it's time for bed and and when you look at the academic literature and a lot of the clinical trials that have happened it's very clear that blue light exposure too frequently during the day in isolation from the sunlight but also the exposure to blue and green light after sunset are the main causes of these issues well i just have to say that makes me feel really good about the fact that i'm up when the sun comes up and when the sun goes down i'm ready for bed <laughs> 
<laughs> that's my natural. That's my natural rhythm. That I mean, when when the sun rises, my eyes pop open, and I, <laughs> I just can't sleep late. And I also cannot stay awake at night. So that that made me smile. So yay. <laughs> that's so good and that is the, the epitome of a good circadian rhythm and i love that and you know it's it's really you know sad to see that a lot of people out there don't have that rhythm yet they're they're, they're very easy to re-entrain you know if you've got a damaged circadian rhythm it's not a case of you know you're screwed for a few years you know like if you've had a really shoddy diet for a long time it's going to take you you know months if not years to really reprogram your metabolism and get healthy light's very different you know it's entrained on a daily basis and so you can have things like you know imagine if you have you broke that circadian rhythm gin and you went out on a night out with your friends and you went to bed very late the next morning you would feel a little bit groggier than you normally would and that's because your circadian rhythm is reset every day whereas if you then have a day maybe feeling a bit worse for wear. Maybe you've been out and had a couple of wines or something as well. The next night, you'll have an early night, go to bed, wake up with the sunrise in the morning and feel as good as new again. The main issue is that these people that are continually living in this social jet lag sort of state of, of life where every night they're going to bed late, every day they're getting up late or feeling rubbish. But, you know, it's it's very easy to to change that for those people. And if they start doing what you've been doing, which is getting up, with that sunrise after a couple of days they'll be jumping out of bed they'll be eyes you know spring open like yours do and they'll be raring to go like you know the, the Duracell bunny in the morning whereas that's me yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so you know it's it's easily fixed and you know people can have a really healthy rhythm like yourself if they you know do those that, that simple free thing get up and watch the sunrise and you know try and be outdoors as much as you can and that's going to go a long way to really realigning your circadian rhythms and having you know, circadian rhythms are very interesting because it's this ancient mechanism that was basically created and optimized hundreds of thousands of years ago in humans, but we're now not living in an environment that can support and keep that circadian rhythm healthy because of all these artificial suns we're living under. So we've really got to take steps to to maximize and, and optimize our light hygiene in order to mimic the ancestral state so that we can have an optimal circadian rhythm and optimal hormones because, you know, a lot of, you know, sort of weight loss and aesthetics, you know, a lot of people talk about calories in, calories out. And, you know, even though that mechanism is is probably partial truth, you have to look at things like the hormonal situation within one's body. And, you know, Jason Fung mentions it quite a lot. He talks about, you know, the, the hormonal theory of, of obesity. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that if you're you know, insulin levels, your melatonin levels and your cortisol levels are all out of whack. That's going to only allow you to maybe lose weight to a certain degree. Is it going to improve mental health? Is it going to improve anxiety, depression? Is it going to help you overcome weight loss stalls? And, and probably not. You'll get to a specific point where, you know, calories in, calories out or macronutrient partitioning might not work anymore it can take you so far like maybe 90 percent of your journey but if you start to regulate your circadian rhythm and not eat your food when your cortisol levels are jacked through the roof or you know when your insulin blood sugar levels are high you, you know you're going to have a much better time and a much easier time getting to the goals that you want and you know one thing i mentioned to melanie on on her show was the fascination between circadian rhythms and hormones has led me to discover quite a few clinical trials that have been out there and peer-reviewed studies that show that independent of 
the food you're eating. So it doesn't matter if you're eating carbs, fat or protein or any combination of those or even fasting. If you expose yourself to artificial blue light after sunset, your blood sugar levels are going to increase. If you expose yourself to Wi-Fi, EMF like Bluetooth or microwaves, your blood sugar levels and your insulin levels are going to rise. If you're asleep and you know you have someone that switches on a light to go to the bathroom or you know your phone is giving out blue light as you sleep or street lights car headlights neighbor lights are passing through your curtains studies have clearly shown that that can jack up blood sugar levels as well independent of food so you know light really is an important player when it comes to overall health and, and wellness that's fascinating. You know, we hear from a lot of intermittent fasters who are are stuck. You know, just like you said, they get to a certain point, they lose weight, and then they plateau higher than they want to be. And and they'll get stuck. And it could be, you know, all sorts of things, their hormones. But now to hear that it could be their light. It's crazy to think. And, you know, every time I, I say these things about light, people are, are blown away. You know, they haven't heard these things before. And even though they're clearly there in the literature, people just aren't talking about them, you see. So the, the tie between sort of weight loss stools and light all comes back to cortisol levels. So if someone's got very, if, if someone's living in a very highly stressful environment, or they are in a very, you know, fight or flight state, that is a ancestral response to keep body fat in the adipose tissue and not release it. So if you're feeling anxious, depressed, down, maybe you're having a really stressful time at work or with the kids or whatever it may be, that's not a conducive environment for losing weight optimally. So for me, when it comes to losing, you know, looking to lose weight or break through weight loss stalls and plateaus, I believe that one needs to regulate their cortisol levels. And cortisol is very, very strongly tied to light. So I'll give you a little bit of a background into why blue light raises cortisol. In ancestral times and even in today's times, we wanted to, our, our bodies wanted to put a mechanism in place to protect against ultraviolet light. So ultraviolet light is essential in humans for creating vitamin D. It synthesizes with cholesterol and vitamin D is, is amazing. We need it. But too much of, of the wrong type of UV light, UVA, can cause damage to the skin. In the worst cases, it might lead to, to melanoma as, as well. There's a lot more to it than that, but I'll keep it sort of fairly high level. Now, we can't see UV light and our body cannot detect UV light in isolation. If you sat in a room and someone said UV light is present, you wouldn't know if it was or not because it's invisible. So our body created or our circadian rhythms created this mechanism by which they could detect when ultraviolet light was highest. And what, what it did was it knew that when the sky was blue, UV light would typically be high because the sun would be out, the sun would be beating down. A blue sky typically means a nice sort of sunny day. So it would then basically know that UV light was present because blue light was present. And is that what kind of like draws us outside, would you say? It's the reason on a beautiful day we just want to be out there? I think it, it drives us outside because of the dopamine response you get from the sun. It's that reward system. It wants you out there, um, giving you the dopamine hits to be out there more to get the UV light to create the vitamin D. What the good thing is about blue light for protecting against UV is that when our eyes sense it, it spikes cortisol. And cortisol is anti-inflammatory to UV light damage during the day. So it's a mechanism to protect us during the day. Okay, that makes sense. 
Yeah. So when we go and switch on our house lights after sunset and we see that blue light, our bodies then think, wow, UV light is present when UV light isn't present because the sun's gone. So it jacks cortisol levels up again. So we need to make sure that we're not tricking our brains into thinking it's daytime and UV light is high by having these artificial light sources shining through our eyes after sunset. And that's why we always say, you know, wear blue light glasses, maybe use low blue light light bulbs after sunset as well, and, and, and kind of limit the amount of digital devices you're using at that time as well. And then we wreak havoc in the daytimes because we're looking at blue lit monitors or laptops. We're working under artificial light in the offices. And that's basically saying, oh, UV light must be present. We need to increase cortisol levels even higher. But again, there's no UV light in your environment. So you're kind of creating this hormonal stimulus of cortisol when it's actually not needed. And you'll know as well as I, Jim, that when you start overproducing certain hormones, insulin being the prime example here, over time, you can become resistant to it. You can become, you know, you can develop diabetes, things like that. And the same is true with light. If you continually jack cortisol levels up, you could actually start to become resistant to cortisol. You could live, you know, it, it could be jacked up to this point where you're living in this state of constant fight or flight, which is personified in the modern world in, in anxiety, depression, and seasonal affective disorder. But it also is going to keep a lot of people holding on to that last bit of body fat because the body takes cues. The circadian rhythm and, and hormonal system takes cues from the outside world. And the outside world is sending the messages that this environment isn't safe. It's unstable. We're in this constant state of fight or flight. So we need to maintain that body fat in order to survive this hostile environment that it's perceived to be living in when it's not actually a hostile environment at all. It's quite a comfortable environment. So if people actually started to look at light a little bit more, started to put, you know, blue light reducing filters on their smartphones, on their laptops, if they wore blue light glasses to filter down blue light during the day from the overhead lighting that's in offices or the fridge light that people are going to to get their food, and then wear orange, red lens, blue light blocking glasses that block 100% in the melatonin disruption zone after sunset, they're going to have a better time eating their calories in the evening as well. Because if you eat your calories in an evening, okay, if you're doing your intermittent fasting and you're eating before bed, if you're eating under artificial light, you're eating in an environment that's very high in cortisol and very high in, in insulin, your blood sugar levels are going to be higher because you're eating under the wrong type of light. If you wear blue light glasses so you're while you're eating your food in the evening, so your brain and body clock it isn't transcribing that blue light and jacking up cortisol levels, you're going to be eating in an environment of low insulin levels, low blood glucose levels, and low cortisol levels. So you're going to have a better time partitioning those macronutrients if you were to eat them under blue light or maybe earlier in the day. All right, that just blew my mind. So <laughs> I have the blue light blocking glasses with the clear lenses that Melanie told me to wear at night when I'm watching TV and on my phone. So I've been wearing those. So should I put them on earlier? But like before I eat dinner, when should, okay, tell me exactly what I need to wear during what part of the day. Yeah, ab absolutely. And Jen, our light needs change throughout the day. So we need to make sure that we're not blocking blue light during the day. You just wear your clear light, your clear lens, blue light glasses, and they'll filter it down and lower cortisol levels because you don't want to have no cortisol during the day because you'll just feel sluggish and low mood and things like that. But after dark, 
your body does not want to have any cortisol levels whatsoever because with cortisol levels being high, you can't produce melatonin. So you need to be wearing the sleep plus glasses, the red lenses after sunset, because that then blocks the frequencies of light that are telling and tricking your brain that it's daytime and is, and is increasing cortisol levels. So if you take out all blue light and some of the green light after sunset by wearing the red lenses, your body can't then go, oh, there's blue light present. There must be UV light present now. It's after sunset, but they don't know that. Let's spike our cortisol levels up to protect us against this UV light. If you're eating your food with blue light glasses on after sunset, you're going to have very low levels of cortisol, very low levels of, of the you know insulin and, and blood glucose levels. So you're going to have a better time digesting that food, a better time partitioning that food correctly, as opposed to if you were eating it just wearing no blue light glasses, sitting under artificial light. Because if you're sitting under artificial light, eating your calories after sunset, your cortisol levels will be very high. Your insulin levels and blood sugar levels will be automatically high simply because of the light that you're sat in eating that food under. So I should wear the red ones if I'm eating, especially if, okay. Now, here's the thing I think that I do wrong every night is that we tend to watch TV right before we go to bed. So <laughs> should I just not watch TV at night at all or wear red lenses or will I be able to see the TV if I have on the red lenses? Yeah, great questions. And look, we th there's two ways to manage light. One is throw everything away and go and live in the middle of a dark field. And, and I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and I'm sure no one else does. If I did that, my wife would be upset. She wouldn't be able to catch up on the Real Housewives or whatever other soaps that she watches. So, um, and I wouldn't be able to watch my sport. So I'd be upset. So what we need to do is there, there was a great study in 2002 from a guy called Phelps, and he coined the term physiologic darkness. So as long as we create physiologic darkness after sunset, our circadian rhythms will believe that it's actual nighttime, that we're sat around a campfire and we can be optimal from a, a sleep and hormonal perspective. And physiologic darkness is the absence of 100% of light between 400 and 550 nanometers. So in layman's terms, that's 100% of blue light and the majority of green light. And so you need to block 100% in that range. Doesn't matter if it's you know, if it's 90% or 0%, it's still not going to be great for you. It has to be 100%. And that's from these these red lenses. Now, we differentiate ourselves from the other sort of cheaper blue light lenses that are out there that are amber colored for two reasons. Number one, they block exactly what they're supposed to block in line with science. But two, we don't get our glasses from China like our competitors from a factory. We have them made in an optics lab here in Australia. So the acuity and the sharpness of the image through these glasses is a thousand times better than anything you'll get made of cheap plastic in, in China. And what that does is because we've used this specifically developed tint, you don't just see red. You know, if you buy a cheap pair of glasses, all you're going to see is red because they put a red film over the lenses or just dip it in red tint. We actually have this formula whereby the specific frequencies of light are taken care of, but all the other frequencies of light that aren't affecting melatonin, but could affect color perception are left in the lens. So when you watch TV, the blue colors appear black and the green colors appear a different shade of green and all the other colors remain the same. And you get this sort of slight sort of warm glow through them. It's very hard to explain. I'm, I'm sure Melanie will be able to sort of explain it better than I do, but it's it's 
really unique that when you wear these glasses, you know, it take you, I, I would say it probably take you a few days to get used to them because obviously you're used to exposing your eyes to, you know, a lot of blue light after dark. But once you put them on and you experience better deep sleep, you'll have more dreams, which means that your body is filing memories better. If you have more deep sleep, you're clearing more of the adenosine out. So you're less likely to get any neurological issues like plaque buildup in, in the brain, which can lead to, you know, sort of memory loss later on in life as well. So, you know, it's very important that, you know, if you're a light sleeper, for instance, that can sleep through the night, that not that isn't necessarily a good thing. You need to go through three phases of sleep. You need to go into light sleep, deep sleep, and REM sleep because each of these phases of sleep does something different to repair the body. You know, when you move into deep sleep, you stimulate autophagy and apoptosis, which is what you guys are mimicking from from your fasting protocols. If you're not and you can't get into good quality deep sleep, if your melatonin levels are low, and if you're and and what governs melatonin, it's the physiologic darkness after sunset. You can't produce enough melatonin to get good quality deep sleep if you expose yourself to artificial blue light after sunset. And people don't realize this because it's like anything. You can follow a specific diet for 10, 15 years, like I did in my case, you know, it was a terrible diet. And then 10, 15 years down the line, I'm, I'm really sick and in a terrible way. The same is true with light. And, you know, we've got an unfortunate mass case study at the moment where, you know, People, children, teenagers at the age of 15, 16 now, who have had smartphones since they were two, three years old and, and have grown up under artificial blue light after sunset from LED sources since they were that age, are developing things like anxiety and stress and, and depression and suicidal thoughts and things like that in their in their teenage years. And, and that's, you know, unprecedented. We haven't seen that at all in, in any generation in, in previous years. And, you know, I'm not saying that blue light is the, you know, the only cause of this, of, of course, not social pressures through, through social media and poor diet and nutrition are, are obviously factors as well. But when you look at how light impacts hormones and cortisol and stress, you, you can kind of see it. So, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's very important sort of, I know I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but going back to your original question, you know, you'll, you'll get used to what screens look like from the red lenses after sunset. But what you've got to realize is that when you put these glasses on within three hours, you're going to be out like a light and it will be indescribable. You will feel a tiredness that you didn't feel existed and you will get to sleep quickly, efficiently and have just incredible sleep and feel amazing the next day. To that point though, Andy, about the red glasses and this actually touches on something we were talking about at the very beginning. You know, we talked about circadian rhythms and the quote ideal circadian rhythm. I personally identify as a night person and I know there's a whole debate out there as to whether or not there are naturally, you know, people with longer circadian rhythms who might, from a hunter-gatherer perspective, have been the, quote, watchers. And so they naturally had a longer circadian rhythm and are active at night. Because I just know for me, I know, like you're saying, that if you just, you know, get into the habit of waking up with the sun, that you naturally will regulate to that. And I mean, this might just be me and my mom. <laughs> many people who have reported back. But it's like, even if I go into that type of lifestyle where I am waking up early, you know, consistently, and I've done this probably, you know, for a couple of weeks at a time, doesn't matter how early I get up, doesn't even matter if I'm sleep deprived, come evening, I'm just like awake. And I've tried to fight it. I like pray to be reborn as an early morning person. <laughs> but the powerful thing about all of this is, 
I will work still on being a morning person. But in the meantime, coming back to these glasses, I have found it so helpful because like I said, I'm the type that at night I'm just so awake and that's not ideal often for my life. And I think for a lot of listeners who might feel like they're quote night people, the, the red glasses, I remember the first time ever that I put on a pair and it was like in the evening and I put it on it. I mean, you said it took, takes like three hours. Well, I, I don't know. I, I distinctly remember the moment I first put on a pair of the red glasses and I was just, I was like, wow, it, it was like something like a light switch turned off. No pun intended. I felt tired all of a sudden. And since then I have not ever not worn red glasses before going to bed because to me, I put them on, it signals my brain shut down. We're going to bed. And as a night person, it is so helpful because otherwise, I mean, I would just stay up till like 6am. But having that as a tool in my toolbox has just been, I mean, so profound. You can really tell when you're like wearing them and if, if something happens and for some reason you have to, I don't know, be exposed to light. I typically just keep them on even if I go to the grocery store at 3 a.m. But if you <laughs> take them off and you get that blue light exposure, it's like, wow. It's like you, you wake up all of a sudden. That was actually a question I had. Say you're in the evening, say you're going to bed and you know you you just check your phone really quick without any glasses or anything like that. Like how much of an effect does that have? Does that reset your rhythm right there? Because I know people oftentimes will be sleeping or trying to go to bed and they'll just reach for their phone and check you know, one last thing. Like, is that having a big effect? It is, yeah. Before I come on to that, I'll just quickly touch upon what you said about the ancestral side and you being sort of more active and the evolutionary pathway of people that maybe were the, you know, the night watchman for the, the tribe. And it's, you know, it's completely on point what, what you said, you know, that there will be people that do do better in the evenings than maybe someone that, you know, wasn't, you know, that kind of person in, in, in the tribal sort of era of the paleo time. But what we've got to remember is that ancestral line that you may have come from wouldn't have been exposed to that blue light after sunset. If they were watching after dark, they would have been watching under the light, the red light, the orange light, the yellow light of a campfire. So it's still important to wear those glasses of an evening, even if you put them on and you know, maybe for someone with acute insomnia, it takes them maybe one hour to go to sleep when they wear these glasses, as opposed to maybe someone that is more lively in the evening. Maybe it takes five hours of wearing these glasses to, to put them out to, to sleep. So I think it's, you know, a really valid point that you mentioned. And I wanted to sort of reiterate to people that everything is always N, N equals one. We hear that all the time. There's a lot of general principles that I'll talk about that you guys will talk about. But you know, they need to be tweaked a little bit in order to fit your own environment. And, you know, people need to listen to this and think critically about what I'm saying and really think, you know, okay, well, how can I apply this? Or can I apply this? Or what's my sort of feelings about about this and how it affects me personally? And I think that it's worth like what you said, you know, you did the, the great thing. And the best thing was you trialed certain aspects of this and you found that you were still awake in the evenings and you've come to the conclusion that okay well I'm going to wear the blue light glasses in the evening to protect my melatonin which is the antioxidant that I need to help my body recover but equally I'm going to stay up later than someone else that might want to go to bed at nine o'clock you might want to go to bed at 11 or 12 and and that's totally fine and we need to make sure that we don't try and put circadian rhythms and light management into one box much like dieting. And I think that people just need to find that right balance for them. But ultimately, if you're exposing yourself to artificial light after dark, sleep aside, 
you want melatonin levels high because it's a powerful antioxidant free radical scavenger and it's going to help with you know clearing out any dead or damaged cells or reducing inflammation that's happened in the you know fr- from the non-native ems pollution stress that we've been through during the day so going on to your second question which is a really good one as well And I was actually speaking to Alexander Wunsch about this, who is the leading figure globally on light research, photobiology, someone that you guys should definitely speak to, really, really switched on guy from from Germany. He was saying that this kind of practice where you would wear your red lens sleep plus glasses after sunset and continually take them off is going to have a detrimental effect on the amount of melatonin you produce, but also more importantly, it phase shifts the production of melatonin. So on a natural and healthy circadian rhythm, so that is one that doesn't have any blue or green light exposure after dark and wears their sleep plus glasses after dark until they go to bed, is going to see melatonin start to switch on about an hour after sunset, and it's going to peak around about 2 a.m. and then slowly drop to nothing around about sunrise, at which point cortisol levels will jack up again. Now, what happens when you put your blue light glasses on after sunset and then you take them off to maybe take your makeup off in an evening or you take them off to see something on the TV or read something that perhaps you know you want to put reading glasses on or something like that? You actually turn off melatonin production almost instantaneously by doing so. And this has been shown in, in the studies that Wunsch has been doing. However, as soon as you put your blue light glasses back on, within 20 minutes, melatonin production will resume again. But it will create this thing called phase shifting, whereas if you do it continually across a night and consistently every day, you are going to phase shift your circadian rhythms. So your melatonin levels may peak at 4am as opposed to 2am, which means your cortisol levels won't peak at sunrise. They'll peak a couple of hours after sunrise. So, you know, you may struggle then to get out of bed at 6am when the sun's rising and you'll be more alert at 8am. So this is why we have kind of changed the direction of our company in the last six months by not just allowing the sale of of optimal blue light glasses for daytime and nighttime. We also know that people need to take their glasses off in the evening. My wife actually came up with the idea because she was wearing her blue light glasses of an evening and then having to take her makeup off before bed. She'd have to take her glasses off and expose herself to blue light. And she was like, well, in the room where I take my makeup off, I need a red light bulb. I need a bulb devoid of blue light. So we created that and we have those now in our house where specific rooms have just red light in. So that mitigates any issues that if you need to take the glasses off, there's not copious amounts of blue light, which is going to turn off melatonin production temporarily and potentially phase shift, you know, your melatonin and cortisol cycles. And it's, you know, another thing we touched upon, Melanie, on on your amazing podcast was the impact of opsins in the skin. So until two years ago, we thought that opsins were only present in the eye. And opsins are basically cells within the body and in the eyes that detect certain frequencies of light. And there's a specific opsin in the eye called melanopsin, which is sensitive to blue light. So it can tell that blue light is present. That's why by wearing blue light blocking glasses with the red lenses after sunset, it stops those cells, those melanopsin cells from being triggered, which then passes the message to the central clock system to tell you that, you know, it's the correct time or the incorrect time of the day. Melanopsin two years ago was found to be in the skin as well. So you can wear blue light glasses after sunset. But if you've got loads of artificial lights giving out blue light, so yeah, your regular house lights, your TV, 
is giving out that that kind of light and you're wearing blue light blocking glasses, you're still not going to be optimal because melanopsin can be triggered through the skin, which can then relay a message to the brain and pineal gland to actually reduce melatonin levels as well. So it doesn't come down to just light passing through your eyes. Light hitting your skin can also disrupt your body clock after sunset as well. Oh no, so my husband's watching TV and I'm sleeping and <laughs> my skin is absorbed. <laughs> I'll have to like... <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting, Jim. There was a study three months ago that came out that showed that the skin has its own circadian clock system independent of the master clock system. And what they did was they, they got skin cells, human skin cells, and they shone blue light on them. And they behaved very differently when the blue light was shone on them to when the blue light was turned off. So what they found was that the skin had its own circadian rhythm. During the day when blue light was present, the skin was in its active phase. After sunset, when they removed the blue light from the skin cells, it went into an apoptosis autophagy state where it went into this deep repair mode. So it led the researchers to say, you know, if we're going outside during the day, exposing ourselves to UV light, getting good levels of vitamin D, but getting some sunburn, is it the UV light causing the potential melanoma and skin cancers that we're seeing a massive rise of in the population? Or is it the fact that after a day in the sun, we go home, switch on the TV and house lights, and our skin in its own circadian rhythm still thinks it's daytime and never goes into a full state of repair ever in its life? That's fascinating. And so this is more reason why anybody who sleeps with a TV on all night, because I know some people do, like that is so bad for you. So bad. Oh, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. And it, it it won't be, you know, an issue for them until five, 10 years time. And then they're going to real, you know, wake up one day with, with some condition that will be tied back to, you know, the low levels of melatonin that they've had in, in, in their bodies not being able to be produced because of that. You know, if people, I find that people that typically like to fall asleep watching the TV are typically people that need white or pink noise within their sleep environment. So try sleeping with a fan on or some sort of binaural beats rather than blue lit TV before you go to bed. And you'll find that, you know, the binaural beat side of things or the white noise from um, a fan can also induce that same effect. I'm one of those people. I have to have noise to sleep. I have to have the fan going. I can't sleep in silence. Yep, we've got one. We've got one. My husband rigged up this little light switch kind of plug. It plugs in, you flip the switch. It's like attached but with Velcro to his nightstand. So every night he like flips the little switch and the, the fan comes on. So <laughs> yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that so much. Then also to the whole red light aspect, you're speaking to an audience that knows knows how much a fan Jen and I are of red light for its therapeutic potential. But Andy, I am so excited for you guys to release these light bulbs because as of right now, we talk a lot about Juve red light near infrared therapy devices. And at present, I actually use those to light my apartment at night rather than any other lights to basically have the effect that you were just talking about, about, you know, only having red light as my source of light at night. But it will be really nice if I could just, you know, replace my light bulbs as well. That's going to be very, very helpful. Very, very excited. I have one question for you. I know we are coming up on time, but I thought just with the whole effect that blue light has on mood, anxiety, especially right now with COVID and quarantine, I mean, that in itself is very 
creating a lot of anxiety. But then, you know, people are now indoors even more. They're looking at screens even more. The effect just must be huge. And do you know if there's any connection? So on top of the, the blue light exacerbating anxiety and things like that, do you know if there's any connection between blue light and our immune system? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something that I've I've done a couple of YouTube videos on and blogs recently. There was some, some very interesting studies that have been conducted by Harvard Health on the concept of sleep immunity in relation to viral issues. And, you know, by viruses, they looked at, you know, the, the flu virus, which I guess is 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 closely associated, you know, the flu is, is a coronavirus as, as well as, as COVID-19. So there are some similarities there. And what they found was that people who slept less and had less good quality sleep produced more of these damaging cytokines that affected the immune system. But on the flip side, and they people that slept well would produce more cytokines that would positively influence the immune system. So immunity all comes back to not just sleep quality, but sleep duration as well. And Harvard have also gone a step further and shown that people that sleep for too long can also have low immune systems as well. So it's very important to get the right amount of sleep. And, and, you know, as complicated as that sounds, you know, like what is the right amount of sleep for me? It's something that should be like dieting. You know, weight loss is a good side effect of having a healthy diet and intermittent fasting. And good sleep should be a side effect of a well managed light environment and circadian rhythm. So, you know, you shouldn't be too hell-bent on saying, I need exactly eight hours sleep a night. I need nine hours sleep. My wife needs less. And it's just how we have managed our light environment and, you know, our circadian rhythms will then tell us how much sleep we need and, and how good a quality of sleep we need. Now, it's it's just very important to know that good sleep is tied to Two fundamental factors that I mentioned at the beginning, the main one that we've spoken about is the circadian theory where blue light exposure after dark is going to tell our brain it's daytime and not to sleep as optimally. So all this screen time and extra screen time that we're having now because we're stuck in, indoors due to this pandemic is only going to decrease our immunity even more because it's going to impact our melatonin levels. We can't go outside as much or haven't been able to go outside as much. So we're not going to get natural light to, to sync our circadian rhythms properly. We're, we're, we're going to sleep poorly. Poor sleep is also linked to anxiety and depression as, as well as you know blue light exposure throughout the day. But I, I read a really worrying article in the New York Times this morning that the amount of screen time has tripled for our children during lockdown. And Harvard, again, have, have released a study many years ago showing that children are 90% more susceptible to the damage that blue light can cause in the cells in their eyes and to their, their developing hormonal system. So, you know, the fact that kids are now indoors more because of this pandemic situation is leading to more screen time for them, which could negatively impact their development over time as well. So, you know, it's very important to try and get outside as much as you can during this, this pandemic, but also limit screen time both day and night. Or if you can't, then, you know, utilize technology like blue light blocking glasses after sunset, blue light filtering glasses during the day, low blue light light bulbs, red light bulbs after sunset. And also, you know, you mentioned red light therapy as well. And, you know, blue light is the 
damaging you know frequency of light it's it, even in the sun it's going to damage the cells in your eyes but the sun has this magical remedy in in, in it called red light and, and infrared light and you know the makers of such panels have harnessed that technology and put red and near infrared within a panel which means that if you're working at laptops on your, on your laptops all day or under artificial light all day you know you're obviously going to be wearing blue light glasses but if you have these therapy devices as well you're kind of putting back some of the light into your life that led light bulbs have stripped out so it's it's very important to adopt and, and use those as well and you know i know you mentioned juve i, I know the guys there very well our, our products are very much aligned you know in, in terms of utilizing light and you know i love the, the mission scots on there and, and the rest of the guys and you know i think it's a fantastic product to have as well if used correctly which is you know, the red light can be used any time, day or night, but the infrared side of the light should only be used during daylight hours because ancestrally it's not present after sunset. So as long as you're using that device correctly, it's going to add a lot to improving your circadian rhythms, health and immunity, as well as the blue light glasses and getting good quality sleep. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad you said that. So basically, if I'm using my juve units at night to light the apartment, I should make sure they're just letting out the red, not having the infrared. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. We will be making that change tonight. <laughs> yeah. And I think it'd be an easy, an easy step. I mean, I, d- I don't have that, that panel, but yeah. Oh yeah. You just flip the switch, right? Flip the switch. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Cause the near infrared for listeners who don't have devices like this, you don't really see the near infrared. It's the red that looks red. Wow. Well, okay, this has just been absolutely incredible. So for listeners who want to get their own blue light blocking glasses, well, a few quick questions about it. Because ideally, you know, we would you would have all of these in your arsenal, you know, the clear lens for the day, the sleep plus red ones for night. You also have the summer glow lens, which are actually, would you like to tell listeners briefly what those do? We created a, a lens which was clear for during the day. Just a caveat, if you have a clear lens that you're wearing after sunset, it's doing nothing for you. <laughs> well, see, now I know. Sorry. This is the one for TV. This is the one for TV. I'm, I'm sorry. I just didn't know. It's okay. all good. All good. No, that's why I love to, to speak to people like yourselves because, you know, it's, it's very confusing, Jin. It really is. There's so much misinformation out there. And one of the biggest misinformations is that so many people are jumping on the trend of blue light at the moment and companies are springing up calling clear lenses blue light blocking glasses. And it's from a physics perspective, it's impossible to block blue light using a clear lens. Um, Look at a color wheel. You need to have the opposing color to block the color you want to block. And on a color wheel, blue is amber and green is red. So you've got to have a dark amber lens to, to do it. So it makes me laugh, but it also confuses a lot of people. We get those questions each day, you know, can we wear your clear ones after dark? It's like, well, you can, but it's not going to help you. So we had the clear ones for during the day because we just want to filter light, but we have the red ones after sunset because we want to block the light. So they're the two sort of go-tos for day and night. But we also found that a lot of people that were contacting us in the early days had real sensitivities to light. They had things like migraines, seasonal affective disorder, high levels of anxiety and stress. So we went back to the literature to try and kind of optimize a third product to help those type of people. Um, And I was a migraine sufferer as well. So I was really keen to to do this from a very selfish standpoint. I, I wanted to discover, was there something to this? And I found that there were two components to it. The first, well, actually, there was three components. The two that I could control were 
the frequencies of blue light at the lower end, the more volatile end of the blue spectrum between 400 and 450 nanometers were what seemed to trigger migraines and jack cortisol levels up the highest. So we created a lens that blocked that entire half of the blue spectrum, leaving just a small amount of the blue left in the upper end of the spectrum, which wasn't triggering cortisol levels to the same degree as the light we were blocking. But we also discovered something called color therapy. And again, something that Alexander Wunsch um, also talks a lot about in Germany is specific colors can impact a, a person's mood. And we found that specific tones of yellow would increase mood. And we found some studies that showed that this specific tone of yellow that we infused into our blue light glasses was actually used on people with seasonal affective disorder. And the study reported these massive increases in positive feelings and, and mood by utilizing color therapy. So we thought, why not combine the two? Let's have blue light blocking of the migrainey high cortisol level of the spectrum, but also put in the exact color of yellow that has been proven in the literature to increase people's positive feelings and good mood. So those are great for during the daytime for people that have a sensitivity to light. As I mentioned, migraine, stress, anxiety, depression, great for night shift workers as well. That's probably a whole other episode on how bad night shifts are. So those are those are the great ones for for during for during the day for people that have that sort of anxiety and depression and migraines. It is so incredible. So for listeners, all the tools are available to you in the Blue Blocks toolbox. This is just absolutely incredible. And then on top of that as a company, well, I should mention that something else amazing that I mean, I don't know if this has been done before or not, but you offer these glasses in prescriptions. So if people, you know, need a prescription for their glasses, I mean that is just such a wonderful tool for people. And then on top of that, for every pair of blue box glasses that a listener purchases, you guys actually donate a pair of glasses to someone in need, which is incredible. And then on top of that, you're giving our listeners 15% off their purchases. So thank you so much for that. So listeners, you can go to bluebox.com and you can use the code IF podcast and that will get you 15% off your order. So thank you for everything that you're doing. I personally, I mean, it helps me so much, my health so much. I know Jen's excited now that she, now that she's got the protocol down. Now that I know what to do for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful for you and what you're doing with your company for honestly, for humanity. It's just really revolutionary. And yeah, so thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to come onto your amazing platform and talk to your beautiful community about light. I, I love doing it. I could talk to you guys for, for days on, on the subject. It's It just excites me and I'm very passionate about it. One, one thing I'd, li I'd like to just mention as well to the listeners as, as well, we have had in the last couple of months due to this virus, a little bit of a, a delay in shipping times to the U.S., so we've actually changed our shipping partner to DHL Express, and we have been doing that for 26 days now. And every parcel is arriving in the US, Canada, Europe, anywhere outside of Australia within five business days. So we've taken on that extra cost as well. So you guys don't have to wait, you know, two, three weeks for your glasses, just, just one week, uh, five business days. I mean, the effect that this whole situation is having on businesses and everybody's insane. And I really, you were telling me about, you know, the change with shipping and that, I mean, that really speaks to your company that you guys are taking that on to, you know, address the shipping issues and get these, get these out to people. So we, we really, really appreciate it. Exactly. They need them more than ever now. 
I know. Like now, now is the time. But thank you so much. And we'll have to have another episode again in the future. This has been incredible. I would love to. And thank you so much, guys. It's it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. The music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.